Hallelujah. Yes. It is good to be in the house of the Lord today. Anybody happy to be in the house of the Lord? Hallelujah. I preached myself happy this morning. Y'all might get a taste of that. Hallelujah. So good to be here. I feel like the Lord is doing something here in our midst. I feel like you're a hungry bunch this morning. Hungry for the word of the Lord. Anybody hungry? I ain't talking about physically either. I'm talking about spiritually hungry. I know y'all got a Denver Nuggets game to watch this afternoon. I understand. I promise you I'll get you out before 8 tonight. Hallelujah. Bless the Lord. Bless the Lord. As Pastor said, we've been in this house for quite some time here enjoying ourselves. It's been ups and downs, but when you stick and stay and you pray, things start to pan out. When you stick and stay and pray, things start to pan out. Too many times when trouble come, we run. We take off running. No, no, stick and stay and pray. Things will pan out in your life. If you haven't had any trouble, just stick around for a little bit. It'll come. And when it comes, stick and stay and pray. Amen? Hallelujah. Well, this morning, uh, I just want to thank the pastoral staff for allowing me the opportunity to come up here and to and to deliver the word this morning. I, I always get excited when I come and I see people who are excited about God. Something happens when you're excited, I get excited. And if you're not excited, don't tell me about a frown on your face. All right? Tell me that you're excited by lifting up your eyebrows. It makes your face smile. Try to do it in the mirror. Just lift them up. It makes your face smile. My wife used to tell me all the time, why are you so angry? I was in the military. Everything is about knife hand, and everything is direct, and you got to keep this look on your face like, hey, you know, don't mess with me. And she, I was like, I'm happy. She's like, tell your face you happy. What's wrong with your face? Smile, all right? <laughs> Amen. We can laugh in the house of the Lord. Amen? Amen. In the book of Ezra, and I like to say this because I, I want us to stand for the reading of God's word. But I want to show where we get this from. It's not something that we often practice. But when we stand, it's a sign and a symbol saying that we're going to stand on the word of God. Amen? Because you can stand on the word. So if you stand with me, I want to uh, kind of give a brief overview of where I get this from. In the book of Nehemiah, there was Ezra the scribe. And the Bible said that there was a lot of people gathered together in this square. And they said, Ezra, bring the book. Say, bring the book. That's what should happen when we come to church. Whoever gets up here needs to bring the book. Amen. I ain't talking about just any book. I'm talking about the book, the only book. Amen. And they told Ezra to bring the book. And then they built this pulpit. It was made of wood, and he stood on it. And when he stood on it, and when he opened up the book, the people stood up. They stood up in reverence to the holy word of God. They stood up, and he began to pronounce the word of God, and they said, amen and amen, meaning that they were in agreement with what God had put forth. And it also tells me that I can talk back in church. I can say amen, amen. You can say amen in church, amen. Hallelujah. We're going to come from uh, Revelation chapter 2, and we're going to read uh, chapter 1 through 7 through Revelation. Anytime we go to Revelation, everybody always, oh, ah, we're dealing with end times. Oh, the death, death is coming. Oh, 
No, we're not going to get that deep. Amen. We're going to just stay in the first three books, the first three chapters of Revelation. And the Bible says in Revelation chapter one that anyone that reads this book is blessed. And this is the revelation of Jesus Christ. So you should get excited about that anyway. We shouldn't be afraid when we open up the book of God. There should be no fear in our heart. We should only have joy because we are God's people. Amen. Come on, y'all shout back at me now. This morning, boy, they was awake and ready to go. Y'all didn't slept in. Come on now. I know y'all awake. You didn't have your coffee. Amen. Let me get to my spot here. Revelation chapter 2. And I know everybody want me to read on the screen, but I can see it better here. All right. All right. It says, to the angel of the church of Ephesus, these things say he who holds the seven stars in his right hand, who walk in the midst of the golden lampstands. I know your works, your labor, your patience, and that you cannot bear those who are evil. And you have tested those who say that they are apostles and are not, and have found them liars. And you have persevered and have patience and have labored for my name's sake and have not become weary. Nevertheless, I have this against you, that you have left your first love. Remember, therefore, where you have fallen. Repent and do the first work, or else I will come to you quickly and remove your lampstand from its place, unless you repent. But this I have, this, but this you have, that you hate the deeds of the Nicolaitans, which I also hate. He who has an ear to hear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. To him who overcome, I will give to eat of the tree of life which is in the midst of the paradise of God. This is the word of the Lord. You may have your seats in the presence of our life-changing king. God is so good. I say God is good. And all the time, y'all know what to say up in here. Don't get quiet on me now. Y'all going to be shouting for them Denver Nuggets coming up. I know it. I know it. We're going to just prime the pump this time. Amen. I got a game to watch, too, so I ain't going to be too long before you. Amen. Amen. But here in Revelation, like I said, this is the revelation of Jesus Christ. And here we see Jesus is dealing with the first church in its Ephesus. In this particular book, if you read from Revelation 1 through chapter 3, he deals with seven different churches. In all seven churches, he says there are some good things that you're doing, but there are some things that you need to tighten up. Right. And in this first church, he is saying, you have left your first love. Go to verse four. It says, I have nevertheless, I have this against you that you have left your first love. If I was to give this a title today, I want to talk about how is your love life? Yeah, just let that sit for a little bit. How is your love life? Don't don't tell me. I don't want to know. That's for you to know. You and God, how is your love life? Because he said, you've done all these great things. You have shunned evil. You called out fake apostles. You've done the work for the Lord. But he said, nevertheless, you have left your first love. How is your love life? Are y'all in here? <laughs> so he deals with these, these seven churches. The first one is Ephesus. And he says, that's the church that God is dealing with, loss of the first love. Then he deals with and describes in Smyrna that they are the church that's being persecuted. 
How do you handle things in a time of persecution? The next church he deals with is Pergamos, and he deals with the compromising church. They have let some things creep into the church, and he's dealing with them. He tells what's good first, and then he deals with what needs to be tightened up. All right? The next church, like I said, I am not going to pronounce that name. Bless the Lord. Go read it. God deals with the corrupt church. They have the spirit of Jezebel just running roughshod in this church. He deals with Sardis, and that's the dead church. Their name means alive and flourishing, but they have some dead things, and God is saying, hey, you need to deal with these dead things. And then the next church is Philadelphia, which is brotherly love. He deals with that, and he calls them the faithful church. And the last one he deals with is Laodicea, and that's the lukewarm church. That's the church that fire just kind of fizzled out, and they just lukewarm, not hot or cold. And he said he'll spew them out of his mouth. What I see here is something called, and, and I was in the military for 23 years. I see it. I see God is doing something here. He's going through these seven churches, and I like to call it health and welfare conduction. He's having a health and welfare. Anybody been in the military before? When I was a private, I lived in the barracks, and they would have this thing called health and welfare. That means that they will come through to make sure that you're living to the military standards that they trained you in in basic training. If you're not living to those standards, you got dealt with. But if you had a good so if you had a good leader, they will come and give you the pre-health and welfare before the actual leadership came through. Y'all understand what I mean when I say health and welfare? I mean they knock, they don't even knock on your door. You're supposed to be standing outside waiting for them to come when it's announced. It's the unannounced ones. Those are the ones that get you. Those are the ones that catch you, see how you're living. They really catch you. How, how, how are you really living? If it's unannounced, they just knock on your door, you open it open, and, and it's like, wait a minute. <laughs> Nobody told me that you was coming through here. So we would have a health and welfare, and they want to make sure that you're living to the standards of life. And I believe that Jesus is doing the same thing with the churches of God. He's going through each church and conducting a health and welfare. How are you really living? And he's a great leader because he tells you what you're doing good. You're coming against evil Ephesus. You're calling out fake people. You're not allowing these things to creep into the church. But there's one thing that you forgot, one thing that you left, and that's your first love. Health and welfare. He's doing health and welfare in the body right now. Have we left our first love? How is your love life? You ever been in love? Huh? Yes. She said yes. <laughs> been in love, you know. You talk to them on the phone. So long that they fall asleep and you're listening to them breathe. <laughs> huh? I got a witness over here. I just want to hear you breathe. Oh, I'm so enraptured with your love. Oh, oh, he smells so good. Oh, can't wait to tell somebody about your first love. Come on, y'all done been in love. Y'all know what I'm talking about. Huh? That, that young love. Don't you like to see that young love? They always hold hands like, why you hold hands all the time? Let it go. <laughs> that young love, right? You remember when your heart used to just beat, skip another beat when you saw that person. When they came into your presence, it was like, oh, yes. I can't wait to talk to them to see what they talk about. I can't wait to listen to their voice. Here in the, in, in the book of Revelation, Jesus says, you have left that. 
You've left that first love. You've left that feeling. You've left that intimate relationship with your first love. Being in the military, getting to my first unit, I have no idea what this is. I'm in the unit, and we have formations for everything, all right? If your unit is really bad, you have a whole lot of formations. That means they want to see you present because you might sneak off and do something you ain't supposed to be doing. So that unit tightens up, and they give you formations. And every now and then, the first sergeant, in the kindness of his or her heart, would allow us to do something that, that, uh, that we're not used to. It's like a treat for the unit, right? So here I am, a private. I'm, I'm there in formation. First sergeant is giving out his thing. This is the first formation of the day. We're getting ready to do physical training. And he's giving out all these instructions. And then all of a sudden, he yells out this word. And I have no clue what this means until after it's done. And, you know, when something happened, you understand what it means after it's done. It's like hindsight is twenty twenty. Why didn't nobody tell me? So he yells out this word, zonk. And everybody in the whole formation just take off running. I mean, as fast as they can to get out of there. I mean, they just take off running. Like, and the thing is this. The last one caught has to do the details on the first sergeant roster. So here I am, Private Smith. Zonk, I'm looking around like, what that mean? I don't even know what this means. Everybody running off. I try to run off first sergeant. I was like, nope. You it? Come on. It's like nobody told me. Uh, not an excuse. Everybody just left. Can you imagine I'm the only one standing there in formation? Like, where everybody going? I'm the last one there, so I got to do the details. And that's the picture that I have in my mind about leaving your first love. You're there in formation with people. You're right around people. And then all of a sudden, you just leave. Like, wait a minute, Lord. I used to spend time with you. I used to be in your presence. And now you didn't zunk me. <laughs> that's, what, that's what God said. You didn't got out of here. You didn't, you didn't got what you needed and left. Do you remember being in the first? Wanted to just be in the presence of that person. Remember when you first got saved, you just wanted to tell everybody about Jesus. Jesus is so good. He did all this for me. And when I first got saved, I was a mechanic, so I had some, some things I was going to kind of trap people so I could talk to them about Jesus. Because you say Jesus, folks start running. Like, hey, Jesus. Uh. So I, I was a mechanic under, um, in, in the military. We had these deuce and a halves. And they had these uh, starters, and these starters were real big and heavy. So I would tell the person that was with me, helping me put the starter in, hey, yeah, you hold that. You put it up. So that person, we underneath the vehicle, he laying on his back, he putting it up, and he can't run because he got the starter in his hand. So I just thought, I just, hey, you ever heard about Jesus? He tried to run, he can't run. Now we got this job to do. Let me tell you about Jesus, you know. Let me tell you what he did for me. <laughs> you ought to get saved. You ought to receive Jesus? Like, man, I just want to get this start up, man. Come on, now. But I would trap him. I would trap him. Hey, we're going to talk about Jesus under this truck right here. And then they go tell, hey, you talking about Jesus again. Yep, sure is. But that was that first love. That was the first time I got saved. Something happened. Something changed on the inside of me. I couldn't keep it to myself. I had to tell somebody. Y'all remember that time? I had to tell somebody. So it was that first love that he's dealing with because God is a God of order. And the first church that he's coming to is Ephesus. And he's saying, this is important. There's something important here that you got to put your eyes on. Something important here. First love is important. 
All the other stuff is important too, but this is the first thing. He always deal with first thing first. In the Old Testament, he had the temple showed up there, and he told him, he told Isaiah, he said, show the temple to the temple. Show the temple of God to the temple of Israel so they'll see and have the standard on how they are to behave in the house of God. Showing the house to the house is what it says in the King James Version. Showing the house to the house. He gives us a standard. He's conducting a health and welfare, but, but he's giving us the standard on how we should live and how we should behave in the house. These past few weeks, we've learned about the love of God. He gave us a standard on how we are to love one another. And then out of that broke forth the Holy Spirit. Now he's given us that check in our spirit on how we are to behave one with another. But he says here in Revelation that we have left our first love. We've left it. He wants us to come back and to renew that relationship if we left our first love. He wants us to get those palpitations that when he speaks into our ear, we're listening to him now. We recognize his voice. We don't run when he says something, but we're coming closer. We're going in deeper. We're getting deeper revelations of our life and how we are to live. And then it spills over to everyone that comes around us. They want to hear about what is this change on the inside of you. And you can tell them it's all about that new love that we have. Amen. When I look in the word of God. After you get saved, I'm still trying to find out where is it written that he keep chasing you. After he caught you and he, and he saved you, does he keep running after you? No. The Bible says in Isaiah that God is a God that hides himself. He is looking for those who are looking for him. Because he woos us at first. And he, and, he, and he speaks to our heart, and he draws us in, and he said, hey, come, come and dine. Come sit with me. Come learn of me. And then after that, he says, come follow me. Come follow me. Come follow. Tag, you're it. Come get me. You know, uh, I need some, some healing prayers over this next one right here. Playing hide and seek. Y'all ever play hide and seek? All right. It's a good game, right? Not for me. So we're hiding and seek. I'm a young guy. I'm living in Texas. We're hiding and seek. My friends are hiding. I get the nicest place that I can find. And I, and I hide. And I'm like, yeah, this is going to be good. They're not going to find me, right? Everybody ran off. We got one person who's it. He's counting. And then all of a sudden, everybody's in their hiding spot. And here I am sitting in this hiding spot. I know it's good, but it ain't really that good, you know? And I'm sitting there, and then time goes by, and I'm like, wait a minute. Excuse me, these guys, something ain't, something ain't right here. I can't hear any noise out here anymore. These guys then left the game. Left me hiding in my place, and I'm stuck here, and nobody's come. They then went home to go eat and left the game. So I need some prayers about that, you know. Don't play hide and seek. I don't want no surprises. Don't play hide and seek with me because I don't know if you're going to leave the game or not, you know. But what's my point here? God is a God that hides himself. Isaiah 45 says that he's a God that hides himself. What happens if he's hiding and we leave the game of seeking him? Seeking his presence, going after him, thirsting after him. What happens? He's got, he got things in his, in his mind and in his heart about you, and you leave the game of hide and seek. What would that feel like? You're sitting there alone waiting. Just know somebody's going to come find you. 
I'm not that hard. All you got to do is get on your face and seek me. But what happens when we leave the game of hide and seek? You don't believe that God is a God that hides himself? Here's some scripture. You writing. Isaiah, I already told you. Isaiah. 55 and 6, it says, seek the Lord while he may be found. Call upon him while he is near. Proverbs 8, 17 says, I love those who love me, and those who seek me diligently or early shall find me. Hallelujah. Jeremiah 29 and 11, for I know the thoughts that I think towards you, saith the Lord, thoughts of peace and not evil, to give you a future and a hope. Then you will seek me and find me. And when you search for me with all your heart, God is a God that hides himself. And he's looking for those that are looking for him. How much is it to go after the Lord? And then when you find him, he gives you a little bit more peace of him. He gives you a little bit more knowledge of who he is. He tells you how to fix that situation that you're in because you're going after him with all of your heart. You won't leave the game of hide and seek. Ah, glory to God. Keep following and chasing after the Lord. Amen. But the thing is, one of the things that I believe how they left their first love is they were too busy focusing in on the work for God as opposed to the relationship with God. Their eyes were on the work of God. We're doing this for the Lord. We're doing that for the Lord. But where's your relationship? See, the enemy is crafty. He's a crafty one, but the Bible says we're not ignorant of his devices. And one of his devices is this. He can't stop you from moving forward in the Lord. You have all the power. You have all the strength and all the know-how to move forward in the Lord. He can't stop you. And he won't come in through the front door. He always come in through the back door. They so busy with the work. Now they're focused in on the work. Now the work has replaced their relationship. So what happens is the enemy gets behind you and push you and push you. I need to do this. I need to do that. I need to do this. Next thing you know, you're pushed out of place. You're supposed to be here, but you're pushed out of place. Too busy focusing in on the work and not the relationship. We're not ignorant of his devices. How many times we're focused in on our families, which is a good focus, but without the relationship, maybe we can't fix what needs to be fixed. Maybe we can't speak life into our family like we need to because we haven't heard from him. My daughter said, hey, I, I was telling her in the car, I said, hey, you know, I always put God first. She said, what about family? I said, whoa, family sometimes. I don't know about your family, but some family members, they, they some work. <laughs> family is family. People are people. I don't care who family they in. You always got one or two or three. I think I got about 10, but, you know, they some work. And if I put them first, I'm going to be working <laughs> to keep my mind <laughs> right. You got to put God first because when they do something and you have the love of God in your heart, you know how to speak life into them and have the keys that open up the heart so that you can speak directly to what's going on to cause a change in your own family. Hey, man, come on. Ah, glory to God. The life of God. See, it was Martha in Luke chapter 10. So Jesus comes into a certain city. I love when he used the word certain because it's a specific place. And he talks to and he comes to a certain woman's house named Martha. 
and he invites her, she invites him in to come and dine with her. And she's excited. And like many of us, we're always working. We're doing this. We're doing that. We're cooking this. We're cleaning this. We're, we're doing all these different things. And she got so enraptured of her working that she missed that the Lord was in the place. So much so that her attitude changed. Jesus, tell my sister to come help me. Don't you care? And he said, Martha, Martha, if Jesus say something to you twice, you better listen. Put your, Martha, Martha. I like to say, Tamara, Tamara. That's my wife, by the way. Tamara, Tamara. <laughs> you can't even enjoy the presence of the Lord because you're busy working. Too much, overly done. And she was so frustrated. She's like, make her help me. And Jesus said, hey, she has chosen this one thing. And what is that one thing? To sit at the feet of Jesus. To seek him while he's here because he don't always come to your house, Martha. Maybe this is the only time that he's going to come to and you need to drink in his presence. You need, to, you need to listen to his voice. Listen to his word because it's going to change your life. But we're so distracted with working. We're so distracted with, with serving the Lord and not actually having a relationship with him. How do we do it? How do we do Boy, I got quiet in here. <laughs> Bless the Lord. Amen. Angels listening around here. Amen. Whoo, y'all heard it get quiet. <laughs> maybe, maybe not only are we busy with the work, but maybe we have some church hurt. Maybe we've been hurt. Maybe we have some expectations that didn't come to fruition when we prayed about it. Now we're angry with God. Maybe that help, it hinders our relationship with the Father. Maybe there's some expectations that we expected God to do. Surely, like Naaman in the Bible, he was full of leprosy, right? And the prophet sent out his servant to tell Naaman to do something, go dip seven times in the Jordan. He was like, surely your prophet was going to come out here and wave his hand and do a couple of magic tricks or something, you know. And he was like, no, if, if he said do this, then do this. Expectations. He could have missed out on his healing. Due to those expectations, right? But what I'm saying is if we get into the face of God and we renew our relationship where we're so sensitive that when he speaks, we hear him. We're so sensitive. I remember, and I told my son I was going to talk about him. He gone now. He was in the first service. I didn't talk about him first service. I said, I got to do it when you leave. But he was three or four or five years old, and they had this, um, this treadmill in this area, and in the treadmill, it was in a place for adults, not children, and he got on the treadmill. I said, Jordan, that's his name, get off the treadmill. Yes, Dad. He come poke his head in. Next thing you know, I hear the treadmill going again. Jordan, get off the treadmill. Yes, Dad. Every time, it's always yes, Dad, but he didn't listen. He just kept doing it. Y'all know how children are, and then all of a sudden, we hear this commotion. Bang, 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 bang. He then fell off the treadmill. I mean, he fell, and he busted his head wide open. I mean, blood everywhere. I'm scared. My first child, you know, they just, you got to put bubble wrap around the first child. After that, you know, you, you lessen the bubble wrap. The boy you have, the less bubble wrap they have around them. They just fall, hey, get up, you know. <laughs> but this was the first child. And, and he fell, and, and I mean, blood everywhere. And then they go get a white towel. If there's blood, don't get a white towel. 
That's just going to make it worse. You know what I'm saying? That's just going to make it worse. And we got this white towel on him, and I'm like, we got to rush him to the hospital because his blood is everywhere. And we rush him to the hospital. I'm trying to get pulled over by a police officer. Somebody escort me to the hospital, you know. No police. I'm rushing. Then we go in on base, and, and then there's a long line. I'm like, oh, man, what's going on? I'm trying to go around people, people blowing their horn. I'm like, man, you know. And then I hear on the inside of me the spirit of the Lord say, when are you going to pray? This is a true story. When are you going to pray? And I heard it. And what it did was it brought me peace because I knew the voice of the Lord. I knew that that was him speaking. I knew it wasn't just a church, you know, word. Why don't you just pray about it? No, this was real. This was the Lord speaking directly to my heart. When are you going to pray? And I'm telling you, I had to take a breath and calm myself down. I know I see the blood. I know his head is bleeding. I understand he got this big gash in his head or what have you. But when I calmed down and I prayed, and got before the face of the Lord in that car while we're driving through the gate. <laughs> I'll never forget it. Got there. Towels on the back of his head. Removed the towel off his head. The gash is there, but the blood stopped. You ever had that happen, man? Your children go to the emergency room. They jumping all over the place. Like, I thought you were sick, you know? <laughs> What's wrong with you? You jumping everywhere and all climbing up. Here go Jordan. He jumping over here. Got this gash in here, no blood coming out. He on the chairs, climbing, doing all kind of stuff. Like, man, they going to think, you know, we crazy in here. <laughs> and brought him in there. When you going to pray? All, eat in the midst of everything being boisterous around us. The winds are blowing. It was Elijah. The winds are blowing. The earthquake come. But God wasn't in that. He was in the still, small voice. How do you hear the still small voice being in his presence, knowing what his voice sounds like, knowing when it's him and when it's not, saying the same words that he say and not the words of the enemy, opening our mouth in faith and not in fear or doubt or unbelief, hearing his voice. When are you going to stop? When are you going to give this to me? Because he, he's a sweet God. He'll let you have it. Oh, you want it? You, you got it? Take it. Go ahead. But I, I guarantee you, when you're chasing after him, he's waiting on you. Just give that to me. I know how to handle this. I don't care what it is. I, I know how to handle it. I know how to deal with it. I know two, two steps is done. With me, 100 steps. Then it might be done. With God, he can change it with one word. But first, we have to rebuild our relationship with him. We have to hear him. It's not just a Sunday morning and then the Bible go on the shelf and it collects dust. No, 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 no. It's a daily getting in his word. A weekly coming in here and hearing him speak. It's studying his word and to show ourselves approved unto God. A workman that need not to be ashamed. That way when things come, I can speak the word of God with faith and with boldness and with clarity. And things begin to change around me no matter what's going on. And it's praying the word that you hear. It's praying the word that you hear. Amen. Yeah, y'all can say amen. How do we return to our first love? The first thing I like to say is we need to face it. Because right here in, in, in Revelation, it says, Nevertheless, verse 4, I have this against you that you have left your first love. It says, Remember, therefore, where you have fallen. Face it. 
Face it. God is saying you've left your, your first love. Don't deny it. Don't deny it. Don't be like Adam. We hid ourselves because we were naked all. No, 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 no. Be like David. When Nathan came to David, the prophet, he came to him and said, hey, there was this man who took, he had a thousand sheep, a hundred sheep, and he took this man one sheep. And, and, and David got convicted in his heart, and he was like, man, that man should die. And Nathan was like, you the man. You the man that took that sheep. You the man that did it. And David didn't run away from it and say, no, nah, that wasn't me, God. No, he said, that was me. Face it. If God is telling you that there's something going on in you, don't run from it. Just face it. God is me. I'm the one. He can work with you better if you face it. If you don't face it, <laughs> oh, I don't want to even think about it. Because I know I'm talking about me. I don't make you mad. But there was times that I didn't face it. God be speaking to my heart, don't do this. Don't do that behavior. Stop. Quit. And I didn't face it. And then I had to deal with the consequences of not facing it. But if you face it, it's right there. Just face it. Hey, it's me, oh, Lord, standing in the need of prayer. It's me, Lord. I'm the one. I'm get, hey, it's me. And then the next point is trace it. What's the first point? Face it. Don't run. The next point is trace it. He says right here. It's right here in the text. He says, remember where you have fallen. That's tracing it. Remember where you have fallen. Where was it when I stopped getting in the presence of, Lord, of the Lord? When did I be, stop praying about things that was coming over us and, and praying for our families and, and praying for our friends? And, and when did I stop this? When did I stop reading my word? Trace it. Face it. Face it and then trace it. Go back to it. He said, remember when? When, did I, when was the last time that God spoke to me and my heart was just, man, did, did it not burn after God? I know we all can go back to say, okay, yeah, yeah, I got to trace this thing. It says, remember where you have fallen. And then, first thing, we face it. Second thing, we trace it. And now we got to replace it. Y'all like this, it? Yeah. Let's do it. You know what I'm saying? Face it. Trace it, replace it. How do we replace it? He says it right here in the text. He said, remember where you have fallen and repent and do the first work. It's easy. Just repent. 180. Go the other way. That's what repent means. Stop. Go the other way. Repent and do the first work. What's the first work? Getting before God. Loving on the Father. Getting in your word, reading and praying and saying, first of all, Lord, I repent. This is me. I'm not going to run from it. You've been chasing. You chased me and caught me. You want me to come after you? I'm coming after you with everything. And I promise you, as soon as you, just like the prodigal son, as soon as the father saw him, God is running towards you to grab you. He's running to bring you into his arms and to restore that relationship right back where you ended up. Pick it right back up. God is that kind of God. Face it. Trace it. Replace it. See, when you're replacing it, the Bible tells us to seek ye first the kingdom of God and all his righteousness. And all these things will be added unto us. So now we're replacing seeking ourselves first and seeking him first. Seek him first. And then the last thing is he must increase that I must decrease. 
So when you seek him first, the seed of righteousness goes in. See, you don't want an empty vessel. You don't want it to be empty. You want to replace it with something. You don't want, to, you want these habits to continue on. You want to replace it before it gets erased. You want to replace it with reading your word before you have the emptiness of doing nothing. You want to replace it first. John said he must increase that I must decrease. That means that the increase of what God is calling you to, you increase that and everything else will decrease. So you face it, you trace it, you replace it, and you erase it by filling it with the love of God, filling it with reading his word, fill it with studying, fill it with praying. Amen? Then you will know that he is your God. Then you won't be afraid when you hear bad news. You won't be afraid because you know God is the one that will speak to you. You know God is the one that will heal you. He'll bring you from this way all the way to this way. You know God is in the midst of us. It was Jonathan that helped me that said, you know, take out that stone out of the middle of the Jordan for a remembrance of what God has brought us from. And that showed me that God is in the middle. We know him as the alpha. We know him as the omega. But do you know him in the middle of your trials, tests, and tribulations? It was Shadrach and Meshach that understood that God was in the middle of that fiery furnace. He was walking around. Any, everywhere you look in the Bible, I can run the reference that God is in the middle. He's in the middle of it. All you got to do is be sensitive to see him, be sensitive to hear him, be sensitive to follow him. Because he's in the middle of everything that you're going through. All you got to do is have your eyes keen to look and see and behold him. Amen? I pray that y'all got something out of this this morning. Hallelujah. We bless the Lord this morning. We know him as the God that's in the middle of us. Hallelujah. Father, I just thank you. I thank you, Lord, for what you have done God, you have allowed a hunger and a thirst to enter into this place, and we're asking, God, that we would hold on to it, that we'll never give it up, that we'll always be hungry and thirsting after your righteousness, because you said Who, whoever hungers and thirsts after righteousness shall be filled, and we thank you, dear Lord, may we walk around with filled hearts. God, may even though these, your people, are going through such situations, God, may they see you in the middle, just like you was in the middle of the sea when the storms of life have came. You was in the middle of the boat, sleep. God, you was present. And God, may we see you, may we hear you, and may we understand that you are with us. And God, you're looking for those who are looking for you. And I thank you, dear Lord, that our hearts will be geared to look for you. And God, we just give your name glory. We give you honor and we give you praise. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. Amen. Thank you, Sidram. Mm. The communion attendants would come, get in place. For one minute before we come to the table, close your eyes. and Let's allow the Spirit to examine. As Jesus says to the church in Ephesus, I see your good works, even your patience, even your perseverance. You're doing everything right but your heart is drifting. Lord, are our hearts drifting? Anyone in this place? Holy Spirit, we ask that you would convict and we can trust that your gentleness will lead to true repentance. We have made it a tradition 
as has most of the church for church history, to come to the table weekly. Not because it's just good to remember what Jesus has done, but because we encounter Jesus in this space. And no matter what we come in with, as Pastor Jade mentioned right before child dedications, all varieties of circumstances and internal struggles, we bring it all into this space. But here's what you can know. A New Life Midtown, you will hear the word, and we will respond by coming to the table to encounter Jesus Christ. And of course, we choose whether we come with an open heart or a closed heart. And I want to encourage you this morning to come to this table with an open heart and say, Jesus, I, I have not pursued you this week. I have left things undone that should have been done, and I have done things that were wrong. But I come to this table to meet with you. Holy Spirit, would you rest on these elements and make them more than just the bread and juice that they are, but make them the body and blood of Jesus. That when we partake, we are receiving nourishment. That we are coming by the power of the Spirit face to face with Jesus Christ. Church, would you stand? As we come to the table, and, and in just a moment, we will exit out the left side of our rows, come and receive the elements, and go back on the right side, and we will partake together. But as you're waiting in your space and waiting in line, I just want to encourage you to wait with the posture, and even maybe under your breath saying, Lord Jesus, make me hungry again. Make me thirsty again. Draw me back again. So would you come, friends, to the table of the Lord where Jesus will meet you today. Come.